everything that you've done this morning from our choir to our setup to those who brought coffee for us this morning. Thank you so much for ministering to us. And uh, I want to thank you all for joining our Advent service this morning. Advent is a tradition, a Christian tradition that goes back to the fifth century AD, and it began as a time for Christians to prepare their hearts for Christmas, the celebration of the first Advent and the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into our world. But it was also a preparation and a reminder of Jesus' second coming. And if you're visiting with us this morning, you are our special guests, our heart's desire, as I see friends old and new, who have some who I haven't seen for a while. If you're with us, it's our desire as a church family this morning to share with you the light and love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But our primary aim this morning as members of Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose is for our church family. And the reason we're doing this this morning is to begin our Christmas season with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our aim is to be reminded by him through his spirit and his word what Christmas is all about. Why do we as the family and the household of God, and I'm speaking and just visitors don't feel uncomfortable, this is for our church family. This is who I'm speaking to this morning. Church family, why do we celebrate Christmas? And of course, it's a duh, right? And we ask, why do we need to be reminded from God's word why we as a church family celebrate Christmas? And the simple answer is, brothers and sisters, is we forget. And the simple answer for me is, I forget. With the busyness of the holiday season or holiday shopping, and all the activities that come both for children and adults, our hearts and lives and mind frequently becomes filled with many things except the one thing I need the most, which is God's gift of Christ, which is our theme for this Advent. And according to God's word, this is not just what Christmas is all about. According to God's word, brothers and sisters, this is what the Christian life is about. It's about the gospel. It's about God's gift of Christ. And this is what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was reminding those churches in Galatia in that letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to them, the book or the epistle of Galatians, that our children recited from this morning. Those churches in what is now modern-day Turkey, in the Roman province of Galatia, they were experiencing a problem that we still struggle with and I still struggle with, especially at Christmas. They had begun to forget not just what Christmas was about, but what the Christian life is all about. And part of the reason they were forgetting is after becoming Christians, after being saved, after coming under the Apostle Paul's ministry, increasingly after he had left, they started to become sophisticated. They started to become educated. They started to focus on all the rituals and traditions and all the aspects of religion that would exalt or augment their church experience. 
If you think about it, those are many of the things that create distractions in our lives as believers during the Christmas season. All the songs, all the traditions, all the celebrations, and I'm not here to rip on all your songs and you know celebrations. I, I do think Jesus is a better shepherd to tell us what we're celebrating at Christmas than Sink and Josh Groban. But nonetheless, at the point, brothers and sisters, where that becomes what our Christmas is about, and that is what we're celebrating, it becomes a tragedy because we're missing out on what God intended not only Christmas to be, but every day of our lives to be. And as we come to this epistle to the Galatians, which we'll spend a little bit of time considering this morning, hearing what Christ has to say about his birth and what Christmas is about, he comes in and he reminds us Christmas was meant to be in our lives for eternity. And it is the testimony of how God sent his son to bring us out of the slavery of this world and all its distractions and whistles and bells and to bring us into the family of God and to make us children of the one true and living and most high God. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 3 through 7. Galatians 4 verse 3, in the same way we also, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to the churches in Galatia, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, church family, as you probably hear me share with you many times, and you'll probably hear it many times again, right? I delight in going back to my childhood. Christmas takes me back to my childhood. But as I've shared with you, as a child, I was a child who was easily excitable, easily distracted, easily led. Had I been a child of the 80s or the 90s, I would have been a poster child for ADHD, and I would have been strung out and Ritalin and everything else. But I was a child of the 60s, and my mother made sure that we made it to church. And so what that typically meant was, especially at church, my middle name was Trouble. Okay, And the day of reckoning would always come in the Chin household, and that day of reckoning would come in the form of a petite, well-dressed Asian lady with a chopstick, my mother. Whenever I would get in trouble at church, there'd be a reckoning at church, there'd be a reckoning when I got home. And the protest I would give to my mother 
would be to point at all the other children who were involved in the trouble I had gotten into, many who were holier and far more respectable than I was. And I would say, but mom, this person, this person, this person, they did it first. They did it. The implication, of course, it's not fair I'm getting busted when all these other kids who were far holier and more respectable than I were leading the charge. And my mother's answer was always the same. It was essentially, Mark, they're not my sons, you're my son. So, chin boys, you know where I got it from. But brothers and sisters, at Christmas time, dare I say, many times we as believers struggle sometimes with spiritual ADHD. And there's a lot going on, there's a lot of things, and we're going in a lot of different places, and this is very much a reminder I know that I need. I need to be reminded in the midst of all these things and getting pulled in 20 different directions, job parties, events, all of these different things, all the different family stops that come, and life can become a bit of a blur. And at the end, we're gassed. Many times I need to be reminded whose son I am and who I belong to. And our Lord and Savior, through the Apostle Paul, is making this point to the Galatians. And he's showing that there's a connection to whose child you are and how you live your life and the decisions you make. But in these verses, our Lord and Savior, through the Apostle Paul, takes it a few steps further. Not only does he remind them who and what they are because of him. They are sons and children of the Most High God. He also sees the need to remind them what they no longer are because of him. And he uses the words slaves and enslaved. Now in the ancient Near East and in the Roman Empire, calling someone a slave or enslaved was considered to be a deadly insult. Among Greeks and Romans and Jews, slavery was considered to be one of the lowest forms of human existence. The absence of freedom, a condition of bondage and shame, where the enslaved possessed the legal rights and the dignity of a farm animal. Personal property, zero, none. In our day and age and in America, it's more like illegal immigrants. These are sort of the sort of thing that even if someone was no longer that, it's not something that you raise. That's in their past. And it was considered to be shameful or an insult even to bring those things up about a person's past. And yet in verse 3, the Apostle Paul boldly declares, in the same way we, you and I, also were enslaved. We were slaved. And what's also worth noting, brothers and sisters, is by both Jewish and Roman standards, the Apostle Paul had been anything but enslaved. He was born into a privileged Jewish family with Roman citizenship, and Roman citizenship at that time was the pinnacle of freedom and privilege and dignity in the Roman Empire. But what the Apostle Paul points out here, and he does the same in all his epistles, is that though by the world's standards, he was born privileged and free. Like all men, his heart and his mind and his soul were in fact enslaved in the sinfulness and evil of this 
fallen world. Jesus makes the statement in John 8, 34. He says, everyone who practices sin is in fact a slave of sin. And the Apostle Paul will later go on and say the wages of sin is death. And we live in a time and an era where it's easy to see in America. It's not hard to look around and see people with financial privilege, political privilege, and yet their entire lives are enslaved. And all you need to do is walk through one of the expensive rehab clinics to see this case in point. And our world struggles with it. They wrestle with this issue and they talk about it, that enslavement begins in the heart. It begins in our identity. And so you need to love yourself more. Well, the Apostle Paul here goes right to the root. Indeed, slavery is connected with our heart, our minds, our hearts, and souls. And until our hearts and minds and souls are addressed, we will never be free even if the shackles are taken off. But in verse 3, he reminds the Galatian believers that like him, they too were once enslaved to what the Apostle Paul calls the elementary or basic principles of the world. And another name for this long phrase is simply worldliness. Worldliness is what is of the world. What is of this fallen world as opposed to what is of God. And many Christians, and that's us, we tend to associate worldliness with the self-destructive vices of the rich and famous, the alleged rock and roll lifestyle. That's what we think, oh, that's worldliness. This is not what I want my children to be or do, right? On tour for eight months a year, blah, blah, blah. But in Galatians, the Apostle Paul points out that just as enslaving and far more insidious is the respectable worldliness of religion. I said it, religion. Religious works, religious rituals, which are often just a mask for pride and selfish ambition and self-righteousness, which tear hearts and families and homes and the world apart. And this is what the Galatian Christians were becoming increasingly enamored with. They were increasingly going to the place and the point that what mattered most about their faith and their worship were the rituals and the traditions and the celebrations and going back to the Old Testament and considering all the steps in the law. And the Apostle Paul's point is whether it be the world's mindless self-indulgence or immorality or it's religious self-righteousness, which is just another form of self-worship and pride. These things are not of God. And believers are no longer slaves of these things. They are no longer bound by these things. They're no longer obligated by these things. Their lives are not to be dictated or consumed with these things. Why? Well, the Apostle Paul explains in verse 4 and 5, it's because of God's gift of Christ. And that brings us to our first point this morning. Christmas and the Christian life are about the gift of God's Son. 
Christmas and the Christian life are about the gift of God's Son. And the Apostle Paul is sort of wringing the necks of the Galatians and saying, look, Christianity is not about all your religious works. It's not about circumcision. It's not about how much money you put in the offering plate. It's not about how many seminary degrees you have. Some of those things may be helpful, but that is not what has saved you. That is not what the Christian life is about. That is not what God came to save you for. Came to save you for himself. And what made a difference in your life is not all your religious works and achievements or your Bible knowledge. What made a difference in your life is the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Galatians 4.4, the Apostle Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. And this, of course, is a reference. This is Paul's synopsis of everything that we've heard this morning from God's word, and everything that we've sung from Scripture. The very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus to a Jewish virgin named Mary in a manger in Bethlehem under Roman rule some 2,000 years ago. However, when the Apostle Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God, he's pointing us to much more than a historical birthday. He's pointing us to something much more than something like our celebration of Thanksgiving or the 4th of July, which frequently Christmas can become. He's pointing us to God. He's pointing the Galatians. He said, get your eyes off yourself. Time out here. Our eyes need to be focused on God, on who he is and what he's done. And he's pointing us to God's intentional and direct intervention in the history of time in order to send his son into our dark and dying world and into our dark and dying lives. And it's in this way, the Apostle Paul is also reminding the Galatian church and us, he's reminding us who Jesus is. He is the holy and eternal son of God who was intentionally and supernaturally sent by his father into our sinful world and into our sinful lives, not for himself, but for us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Now, a gift, by definition, is something given willingly without payment in return. In our day and age, that gets all distorted, doesn't it? Free gift with every $100 you spend. Okay, that's a lie from the pit, right? But at its best, a gift is an expression of love and grace. It's an expression of unmerited and undeserved favor. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. We didn't deserve it. Someone else paid for us. And according to God's word, every birth and every birthday and every child is a blessing and a gift of life and love from God that none of us deserve. Parents, this is a hard season. Kids are sick. And it's easy, especially during the Christmas season when we've got so much on our plates, to struggle with discontent of all the things that we have to juggle. Kids' recitals. Children were sick. But let's be reminded as we come back to God's word, we're so blessed to take care of our children in good days and bad. 
We're so blessed to be able to be involved and to have this blessing in our lives and our family and our church. And by extension, every church member is a blessing from the Lord, not by accident, a gift. And every year and every birthday we celebrate is another opportunity for us to thank the Lord for something we did not deserve or earn. But with these God-breathed words, the Apostle Paul is reminding the Galatians and us that Jesus' birth was no ordinary birth because Jesus was no ordinary child. Church family, how often do we forget who Jesus is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the testimony of God's word from beginning to end is Jesus is God's gift of life and love and salvation for the worst of sinners and for a world that is dying in its sin and its worldliness. The worldliness that's not respectable, but also the worldliness that is respectable too. And brothers and sisters, you've heard me say this many times. That can be our jobs, our careers, our salaries, all of those things. And the Apostle Paul's point is that this is not what Christmas is about. And this is not what the Christian life is about. And he points to us and explains in verse 5 and 6 why. And this brings us to our second point this morning. Christmas and the Christian life are about God's gift of adoption in Christ. Christmas and the Christian life are about God's gift of adoption in Christ. In verse 5, the Apostle Paul explains to us why specifically God chose to send forth his son in the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law. He explains to us why Jesus came as that baby in a manger. When church family, he came, and the reason he came was not to give us or Moriah Carey something to sing about every Christmas. Very specifically, God sent his son forth, born of woman, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. Verse 6, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And Jesus will make the point, and the Apostle Paul will imply this too, is, hey, if you're free, if your life is great, if you're right with God, Jesus didn't come for you. The people he came for were a people who were enslaved, enslaved in the things of this world, in bondage and destined for destruction because they are not right with God, because their lives are filled with anything but God. And he came to redeem those who were under the, the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. Now, in the ancient world and throughout the Roman Empire, what was well appreciated and what we sometimes struggle to appreciate is that freedom and family are not free. Well, we have a tendency, we have so much in this nation, we take those things for granted. But in the Roman Empire and in the ancient Near East, they understood neither freedom nor family are free. They are both very costly. 
And in the ancient world, most people who were born slaves would remain slaves for the rest of their lives. No way out. Why? Because for most, the price of redemption, the cost to purchase their freedom was unattainable. It was beyond anything that they could earn in their lifetime. But it's worth noting that what was more costly than redemption was adoption. If you came from a noble family of wealth and privilege. Why? Adoption was a legal act. And those who were adopted officially and legally were people who would be given the full right of the family name. By being legally adopted, not only would they take the name, but they would take the privilege and reputation of the family, and they would also, in most cases, have a share in the family's estate. They would become heirs. In other words, they would become entitled to everything that that family had. So the greater the family, the wealthier the family, the more noble the family, the more costly the adoption, because that family would have to give everything to that child at some point in that child's life. Why did God send his son to be born of a woman, to be born under the law? He sent his son to live the perfect sinless life slaves could never live, to pay the perfect price and penalty that we could never pay, death on a cross, to set us free from our slavery to sin and worldliness, to redeem those who were under the law, verse 5, for what purpose and end? So that we might receive adoption as sons, so that we could now belong to God, so that we could now be his and so that now we could be part of his family and that everything that belongs to him, we could have. Church family, Christmas is indeed about freedom. It is about family, it is about gifts. But what we often forget, and I often forget, is that Christmas is about God's freedom, it's about God's family, and it's about God's gift, not the world's. Brothers and sisters, what an encouragement that is as we look around the world and we see a world that is torn apart. We see people who did not choose to be in families that are hard and difficult. They did not choose to be in a part of the world that is torn apart by war. They did not choose to be in many circumstances that are ugly and hard. And sometimes we think because of our wealth and our affluence and all the things that we have that we're different. But the Apostle Paul is pointing out the freedom we need and the family we need and the gift we need are God's, not what this world has to offer, gifts and freedom and family that are here one minute and gone the next. And this is why, brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul, as he points us to this, he points us to the reality that this is a gift that is costly. It costs God 
the life of his eternal and beloved son, Jesus Christ. And this is why there is only one way to celebrate Christmas and the Christian life. And that is by faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This brings us to our final point for this morning. Believers are to cherish and celebrate the gift of God's Son by faith. We're to cherish and celebrate the gift of God's Son by faith because this is what children of God do. I frequently tell my boys never to accept gifts from strangers. I don't care how many NBA Y2K they're offering you. If it's a stranger, don't take it. And the reason is obvious. Unless you know and trust the giver, you have no idea what you're getting. Don't press that button on the iPad that says free whatever, right? Who knows what we're going to be living out for the rest of the year. But I also tell my boys, even if your mother and I were to give you the best gift in the world, pay the price for it, wrap the gift, put it under your nose. Unless by faith you take that gift and you unwrap it and you embrace it for what it is, which is a gift of love from your parents and from the two people who probably love you most, apart from the Lord in this world, unless you receive it, that gift will never be your gift. It'll continue to sit under the tree unwrapped because you've got better things to do. And church family, for us, the same is true of the gift of God's Son. It is only faith in who God is and what he has done according to his word that enables us to cherish and celebrate the gift of his Son in a way that is right and in a way that is pleasing to him. And the temptation, of course, is to make Christmas about ourselves. What we sing, what we do, what we buy, the places we go to, the things we do, what we do with our holiday time. And public enemy number one. And yet the Apostle Paul and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is saying, you're missing the point, that's not who you are. You're no longer a slave to all of those things. Now we don't think of it that way, brothers and sisters, but how often do our holidays become slaves to all those whistles and bells, right? I can't tell you how many years I spent standing in line for Black Friday sales. Now we can just do a click in the button, but you know, how often are we sitting there our Thanksgiving day and the day after rather than spending time with the family is looking at a screen, pressing on a button because someone says, I'm going to get 50% off. Or we're no longer a slave to those things. That's contrary to what it means to be a child of God, which is spending time with the one who loves us the most and the people he's given us to love the most. Now, church family, I'm not here to tell you to throw out your NSYNC albums and the Mariah Carey albums and your Y2K and all the rest. But the point I'm making is, if that's what takes up our hearts and minds and time, it is worth asking who we belong to and what we're a slave to. And it is helpful 
to stop for a minute and listen to Christ and to be reminded that there is a gift far more important and that the lives that he has given us, brothers and sisters, are lives that are to be lived not for ourselves, but they're to be lived by faith in the one who loved us and gave his life for us. The reason our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gave us this epistle, brothers and sisters, are these are truths that we forget every Christmas. And as we get into the Christmas season, we may no longer be slaves to this sinful world. But it is helpful to stop some from time to time and to consider what am I living for? Church family, my prayer for each one of you is that by faith, this Christmas would be a Christmas where you have the opportunity to celebrate the gift of Christ. My hope for you is that the joy and light and beauty of your celebrations, your time with your family, and your time off in the days ahead would be the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And my prayer for you is that we would cherish and celebrate not just one day of the year, but every day of our lives, the beauty and goodness and love and grace of what Jesus is, God's greatest gift that we will ever receive. My prayer is that we would be like the Apostle Paul, that we would live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And if you're guests with us today, we're so thankful that you're here and able to share this time as we speak together as a church family. And my prayer for you is that if you are not already a child of God, that by faith, God's gift of Christ would be yours this Christmas. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the greatest gift this world has ever known and ever will. We just thank you for what you did by coming and entering into our darkness and becoming part of our broken families so that we could become part of your family. I pray this Christmas that the gift we celebrate the most would be, Lord Jesus, your life, and that we would do so, Lord Jesus, by faith in you. In your name we pray, amen.